We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. So listen, boys and girls, if you're watching this, or if you're listening to this, you're probably saying, what in the hell's going on here? Why is there an episode of Talking Buffalo in my damn podcast feed on a Saturday morning. Well, if you follow the show, you'll know that there was no show on Friday. I call this now your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more, meaning episodes every Monday through Friday. And for the last seven weeks, that is exactly what we have been doing. However, Some things came up on Thursday, and I did not have an opportunity to drop anything on Friday. So to kind of make up for that, I am having what will be, by the way, an extremely condensed version of Talking Buffalo here today. And on that note, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Talking Buffalo, whether you're checking us out on the video side, which if you are, by the way, on YouTube, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, leave a comment. Those kind of things help us grow the channel on the video side. And for the majority of you who are listening, of course, on the audio side, wherever you get your podcasts from, I appreciate you very much. Kind of just cleaning up the plate a little bit from uh, all the episodes throughout the week. I'm going to spend just a few minutes here talking some Buffalo Bills. I got a couple of keys, at least I think anyway, keys to victory to beat uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. On Sunday night, a huge game, which we'll get into in just a second. Then a couple of Buffalo Sabres thoughts as well. One advantage, well, at least I thought it was going to be an advantage anyway, of doing this on Saturday instead of Friday, which by the way, I am taping this literally overnight Friday into Saturday morning. Was the Buffalo Sabres playing a game on Friday night at home? However, did not go well. Did not go well at all. The Sabres were trounced on their own rink uh, by the Philadelphia Flyers in the back end of a home-and-home series with the team. We'll talk about that for a few minutes as well. And then, like I said, be on your way. Also, too, I got a prediction for the Bills game. And again, if you you watch this show, you listen to this show, you'll be like, well, you already made your prediction on Thursday with Anthony Marino. 
And you're right, I did. However, I have been thinking about it nonstop since the end of that episode. And I feel like upon reflection after sleeping on it, that I kind of got caught up in the moment a little bit. And I, I think I might have been thinking with my uh my heart instead of my head a little bit. So anyway, kind of got a revised prediction. One of the fun things about having your own podcast is you can change shit around. So simple as that. Going to get to that, and then, I, then I'll send you on your way. I'll give you a chance to really enjoy your weekend. Again, one more time, thank you very much for, for spending a little time with me on a Saturday. Before we get going with Bills of Sabres stuff, though, I got to give a big, 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 big shout out to my man, Del Reed. Uh, if you're a Bills fan, maybe if you're not even a Bills fan, surely you know who Del Reed. Del is one of the three OG originators who invented Bills Mafia nearly a decade ago. And of course, Dell's also the founder of 26 Shirts, an incredible charitable uh, organization that sells shirts with portions of uh, proceeds going to help people who really need the help bad. And they've done so many good things, have raised a couple million dollars for people desperately uh, in need. Anyway, really cool moment for Dell. So this week, the Buffalo Bills, every team around the league has an NFL fan of the year. And this year with the Buffalo Bills, uh, they put out a video on social media earlier this week. Awesome shit, man. Awesome stuff. Dell went, went to Highmark Stadium thinking he got tricked in a good way that he was going to be helping to film a documentary for the uh, 10-year anniversary of Bills Mafia. And in one scene, they had him run out through the tunnel onto the field. What he didn't know was that Stevie Johnson was there hiding, waiting for him. And after Dell took a couple steps on the field, Stevie yelled his name, threw him a football, which, by the way, caught Dell by surprise. Dell dropped that shit. Not, not his best moment, but who cares? Anyway, so him and Stevie play catch for a minute or so. Uh, then Stevie lifts up his shirt to reveal to him that Dell is the that Bill's NFL fan of the year. And Dell was shook. It was authentic, awesome to see. And, you know, I, I just want to say there is nobody, and I'm sure a lot of you will agree with this. Literally, there is nobody out there that is more deserving of this honor than Del Reed. I've gotten to know this guy now for well over a decade. We've hung out some. We spent some time together. We've chatted it up many times. He's been on the show a couple times. In fact, going all the way back to when I lived in Florida, he was down in Sarasota for a Buffalo event, shocker. And we got together at a coffee house and we taped the show. I've been to the old, anyway, 26 Shirts headquarters when it was on Main Street. Now it's in Kenmore, and we did some shows. He's been on the show a lot, man. Just a genuine, great human being. Forget about just the Bills part of it. A great human being, and I've said this, this transcends to me, somebody like Dell transcends just being Bills Mafia or a Bills fan, which is awesome. But when, this, when the history of Buffalo is written, or is being written, as is being written, I should say, this guy deserves his own chapter in the history of the city. He has been such a, an advocate for Buffalo. He has been an asset to Buffalo. And it's just great to see him get rewarded with something so big like this. Adele, as part of winning the for the Buffalo Bills NFL Fan of the Year, he's going to get to go to the Super Bowl in Vegas. I mean, come on. That is some awesome shit. And again, just very much deserving. 
And I wanted to make sure that he got his flowers from me personally on this show because you won't find too many people out there who are a bigger uh, Del Reed fan than I am. Again, not just as a business owner, not just as a part of the Bills Mafia, but just as a really kind, decent, and, and genuine uh, human being. So congratulations again, Del Reed, the Buffalo Bills fan of the year. Awesome, awesome stuff. And as for the Bills, a big game coming up here on Sunday night, prime time on NBC against the Cincinnati Bengals. And we talked about it on Thursday's show some. In fact, it was actually the title of the episode. This is a measuring stick game for the Buffalo Bills. That's what it is. This is not just one of 17 games. There's a handful of teams that when you play them, it's not just another game. You know, the Miami Dolphins are not just another game. Kansas City Chiefs, not just another game. And the Cincinnati Bengals, not just another game. We're going to get an opportunity on Sunday night, whether it goes good or whether it goes terribly wrong. We're going to know a lot more about the Buffalo Bills and if this team is for real and if they're legitimate contenders, I feel, by 11.30, 11.45 p.m. on Sunday night. Does that mean that the Bills have to win or the season's over? No, I'm not saying that either. That's not what I'm saying. But if the Bills go into Cincinnati and they handle them, that's going to go a long, long way towards people getting back. Not that it matters to them, but media, fans around the league, it's going to go a long way towards saying, yo, the Bills are back and the Bills are for real and the Bills aren't overrated. And, you know, they belong right there in the conversation with the elite teams in the league. Conversely, they go to Cincinnati and they get curb stomped, which my podcast partner on Monday, Tone Bucks, is going to make a huge wager on the Bengals saying that he thinks they're going to curb stop the Bills. That happens. You got to question if this team is, uh, what's their ceiling? What's their realistic ceiling? Is this a team that can get past, can even make the playoffs, let alone maybe win one game in the playoffs? So I feel like, again, this is a, a statement game and this is a, a measuring stick game here uh, for the Buffalo Bills. I'm really looking forward to watching this game. It's only, well, I'm taping this late Friday night into early Saturday morning, and I don't know, the butterflies already are there a little bit, man. A little bit of uh, anxiety. I'm really anxious to to watch this game and, and get a good idea of where the Bills are at. Now, if they win a close game, they lose a close game, maybe your your, your mindset doesn't change too much. Mine will, though. The Bills don't necessarily need to win this game, but I think the Bills need to be very competitive and in it in the fourth quarter. And then even if they lose this game, I think I can still feel pretty good about this football team. Um, one thing that's interesting to me, and I never really thought, I didn't even realize it until I saw this stat earlier this week. The Bills have been, this is going to be the first time in 27 games that the Bills are actually going into a game as an underdog. 26 games in a row, the Bills have been favored. That's crazy. Just tells you how good this football team has been over the last, uh, you know, two years or so. Pretty crazy. And by the way, the last time the Bills actually were underdogs, you got to go all the way back to the day after Christmas 2021. So nearly two years ago now, uh, they were underdogs against the New England Patriots, actually. The Patriots beat Buffalo earlier in the season, 14-7. to 
That was the crazy win game where Mac Jones only threw three passes for the whole game. Damian Harris, now a Buffalo Bill um, on IR, but he had a, a big touchdown run in that game, an embarrassing loss for the Bills at home. But anyway, the Bills, they got the revenge, man. Josh Allen played great, and they beat New England that day 33-21. to, to uh, 21. In fact, the Bills have won four of the last five times they've been underdogs. The only game they lost, actually, was in overtime against Tampa. And even though the Bills lost that game, a lot of people think that that second half, the way the Bills responded after playing like shit early on, kind of catapulted them to, to playing really good football going into the end of the season. Then they stopped New England in the playoffs. And then, of course, the 13-second uh, debacle at the end against the Chiefs. Who knows what happens if that, if you know, if it wasn't for 13 seconds. So anyway, the Bills just... This is uh, almost uncharted territory for the Bills, being underdogs. So it'll be interesting to see how they uh, they respond to that. Real quick, too, before I get to the game, quick take here. And I mean quick, because I don't want to, you know, it's kind of old news now. We already know about Russell Douglas and uh, Laval Joseph. When it comes to Douglas signing with the Bills or getting traded to the Bills, I should say, we already covered that on Thursday's show with Anthony. But after I taped that, Joseph ended up signing with the Bills only thing I want to say about those two guys is what I was saying all along. When Trey White went down and then Matt Milano and Daquan Jones the very next game, I said, you ain't replacing those three guys. They're too good. You're not going to get anybody in the open market, whether it's a trade, whether it's free agency, that's going to be as good as Trey or as good as Daquan or as good as Matt Milano. And they didn't even attempt to replace Matt Milano. And I kind of get why. And I think that might be more of a schematic thing that we saw a little bit of. Last week in Tampa, where Dodson could be a decent first and second down linebacker. And then when it's or obvious past situations, they were moving Jordan uh, Poyer up to linebacker, playing a big dime with Taylor Rapid safety. So I think the Bills are looking to kind of try to schematically replace as best they can Milano. But anyway, like I said, you're, you're not replacing Daquan. You're not replacing Trey. But what I needed to see Brandon Bean do, and I said this three weeks ago and several times since then, I needed... Brandon Bean to go out and upgrade over what was replacing the guys that got hurt. So not Trey and not Daquan, but I needed upgrades over Dane Jackson. Not that Dane Jackson's a scrub because he's no scrub, but I want an upgrade over Dane Jackson and I want an upgrade over Puna Ford and Tim Settle, that one tech spot. And without question, without question, the Bills went out this week and they did that. Not once, but twice. Douglas is better than Dane Jackson, period, end of story. And again, no disrespect to Dane Jackson. You could do worse than him. But Douglas is just a better corner. And Joseph, who's sitting on his couch, and I know some people who might not understand are wondering how a guy who's been, you know, 36 years old has been on his couch, why someone else didn't sign him before? Why did nobody want him until now? First of all, it's not true. I've heard from reliable people that at least four teams offered Joseph, a contract from summer until now. I know for a fact, or I heard, I should say, let's just leave it that I heard that the Bills a couple weeks ago made an offer to Joseph. It was about the money and it was about the fit. It was about going to a contender, the right team at the right time. Trust me when I tell you, Joseph is no bum, all right? He's going to be ready to go. And again, don't compare him to Daquan Jones. Daquan Jones was playing like one. He, Daquan Jones was playing like an all pro before he got hurt. 
Don't compare him to him. You're not replacing him. But he's better than Tim Stone. And he's better than Puna Ford. And he's better than Jordan Phillips. Easily. If you want to know why the Bills spent $3 million on a guy, 36 years old, at the halfway point of the season, go watch the New England tape. Go watch Puna Ford and Tim Settle get pushed all over the place. Go watch it. And Jordan Phillips, too. Joseph being on the field is going to help not just the Bills' run defense. He's going to take up blockers. He's going to make Terrell Bernard and Dodson behind him better. He's going to make Ed Oliver next to him better. Now Jordan Phillips could go be that true three-tech behind Ed Oliver and get his reps there instead of trying to play the one. Puna Ford just ain't working out, and I'm disappointed about that. I was high on Puna Ford when the Bills signed him. You know, they signed Leonard Floyd and Puna Ford late in the process. Leonard Floyd has been a revelation. He's been great. Puna Ford, no, he hasn't. Joseph's going to help solidify this team. So anyway, the, the, the short version of a long-winded spiel here is that the Bills did get better on defense, and that was big. Again, you can't get better than you can't replace Daquan and Trey, but you can replace what they did or what they had, I should say, when those guys went down. And I think Brandon Bean, all things considered, did a really good job. So anyway, that's the roster going into this game. How much the guys are going to play, if at all, that remains to be seen. I get a gut feeling Joseph's going to play some snaps and, and maybe Douglas too. I don't think they're going to start, but I think they're going to play on Sunday. And that's just my gut late here on a uh, a Friday night. Anyway, I'm taking a real quick break. I'm going to come back. I'm going to run down three quick uh, keys to victory, I think, for the Bills. I'm going to make a revised prediction and then just a couple quick minutes of uh, Sabres thoughts. So be right back, folks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, I am back here with a Saturday episode. It's my voice is going here at 1.30 in the morning, taping this. Uh, talking Buffalo again. Thank you so much for, for watching, for listening. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. It really helps us continue to uh, grow this show. All right. So I said I got three that I consider, at least me personally, big keys to the Buffalo Bills winning this football game on Sunday night. A statement game, a measuring stick game. And these might not be the most obvious ones. And again, but they're not, you know, I'm not really uncovering any mysteries here either but number one and i think this is a, a low-key very big one gotta start fast this team's gotta start fast now they played good in the first half offensively against tampa a couple weeks before that the offense was shit in the first half before getting things going in the second half i think it is crucial that the bills start this game fast they're on the road and they're playing a team that quite frankly handled them easily last year in the playoffs. And I mean, we'll never know, but last year before what happened to DeMar, uh, the, I feel like the Bengals from what I remember from that game, my emotions at that time, I felt like the Bengals were well on their way to giving the bills an ass whooping on Monday night football as well. If you remember Cincinnati went down and scored like it was nothing. Uh, Jamar chase was abusing Trey white who Trey white was not the Trey white that we know he was trying to come back from the knee. And it just wasn't him last year. Anyway, since he goes on the field, they score with ease. The Bills have a nice little drive. They end up settling for a field goal. The Bengals get the ball back. A couple quick first downs. Looks like they're about to score again. And then what happened with DeMar happened and the game got called. But anyway, Cincinnati just looked superior in that quarter or whatever it might have been from that game. And then they just beat the shit out of the Bills in the playoffs. Cincinnati's got, I'm sure, a ton of confidence going into this game as they should. And for the Bills, as they should, they're considering this a, a revenge game. Again, a chance to, to make a big statement. And to me, the biggest statement you can make is going out, scoring first, and playing with, playing with the lead. I mean, it, it, it changes your mindset. You believe that you're going to win this football game. You get out, you score early. And I've said to Matt Perino a couple weeks ago, what game was it? That little, the, the New England game, where you're playing a shittier team, you get you win the toss, and Matt Perino, I got to give him credit for this. He goes, Bill should have taken the ball. You go down the field, you score. Patriots are already second-guessing themselves. Kind of feel the same way, although this is not the New England Patriots the Bills are playing. They're playing an elite team in the NFL. But you go down, if, if McDermott wins the toss, he should take the ball. I know he's not going to, but I wish he would. Take the ball, score first, have some early success, establish yourself early, and Cincinnati might start thinking twice. You know, they might get in their head a little bit. I think it is critical for the Bills that they start this game quickly and that they get out to a lead, that they play with the lead early on and kind of dictate the tempo in the terms of this football game. I'll tell you right now, if they lose the toss or they win the toss, whatever, or they get stopped and Cincinnati goes down and they're up early, say they get up two scores early, 
Kind of like the playoff game last year. I feel like it's a wrap. I feel like it's a wrap. So to me, it's critical that the Bills start this game fast. That's one. Number two, you know, on a team with a great quarterback like Joe Burrow and, you know, possibly one of, maybe even the top three, one, two receiver tanners in the NFL, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, not to mention Tyler Boyd. So many great offensive passing weapons. But to me, containing Joe Mixon is a big key of this game. Big. So I got as a key holding Joe Mixon to under 100 yards. Mixon hasn't done that this season. I think he had a season-high 87 last week, though, against uh, Frisco. Ran for 105 yards against the Bills in the playoffs. The Bills have given up 100 yards on the ground, I think, five of their eight games so far uh, this season. I just feel like if you get contained Joe Mixon, you're making the, the offense a little more one-dimensional. You get them in second and long or third and long. That's going to give opportunities to Greg Rizzo and Leonard Floyd. And who knows, maybe even Vaughn Miller. Maybe this is the game where we start to see the Vaughn Miller that we that we need to see at some point. But getting in advantageous down in distances for the Bills is critical. If Joe Mixon gets going, especially early on, that just makes it already a really good offense far more dangerous. So you, you got to find a way to, to, to stop Joe Mixon. And I don't know how much Joseph is going to play, but if it's not him, whoever's up on that line, the defensive tackles, they got to win in the trenches. They got to win in the trenches. You got you to gotta slow Joe Mixon down. So that's the key to me. And then the third one, and again, you know, I talked about, you know, I talk about uh, the Bengals and all the offensive skill position weapons that they have in the passing game. I'm going to go with the same thing with the Bills. You know, I like can say Josh. Of course, Josh is important. Josh is the most important person. Just like Joe Burrow at the end of the day is the most important person for the Bengals. Look, if Joe Burrow sucks, the Bengals are probably going to lose. If Josh Allen sucks, the Bills are almost certainly going to lose. I get it. We're talking about keys here. And to me, it's the Bills effectively having a running game of their own. I think that's huge for them. Um, every time the Bills have won this year, they've rushed for at least 100 yards. The Bengals, uh, and again, they, this is a team that's really gotten their shit together because they were freaking terrible early in the season. Terrible. But they've gotten their shit together. But even now, they're susceptible against the run. They've given up 25 runs this year of at least 10 yards. And I don't have the stats in front of me to where they are in the rushing game. But I, they're near the bottom. They're like 27th or 28th against the rush, something like that. So a strong running game does two things. Number one, you're keeping an offense from Cincinnati that looks really good against uh, at San Francisco. You're keeping Joey Burrow off the field. That's big, quite obviously. And also, it makes your offense. Just like I said, if Joe Mixon gets that running game going for the Bengals, it's going to make the passing game more dangerous. Well, ditto for the Bills. If James Cook can get going, if Latavius Murray gives them something, now the play action is more effective. The passing game in general is going to be more effective and more dangerous. So I kind of feel like as I'm going through these, that whatever team runs the football better, Mixon or the combination of Cook and Latavius Murray, I think it's going to be a big advantage to uh, that football team. And look, of course, there's other factors. Like I said, Josh and, uh, and Joe Burrow, Josh's shoulder, will it hold up? Is he going to use his legs? Like he did last week against Tampa. Is he going to be permitted to do that this week again? 
Um, the secondary weapons on the Bills is going to be big. You know, Khalil Shakir had a big game against Tampa, six catches. Dalton Kincaid's been brilliant the last two games. Will they keep that going? The 11 personnel, there's just so many things. Like I said, Vaughn Miller doing something. Greg Rousseau, who was amazing the first month of the season, been slowed down a little bit with the foot. Um, the Bills back seven. Are they going to be good enough? Is that secondary going to be good enough against his receivers? There's a million legitimate talking points right now and factors in this game. But for me, it's just getting off to a fast start, not playing catch up with this team, kind of dictating, imposing your will early on. I think that's going to go a long way for the Bills and uh, just running the football. The team that runs the football the best, I think is going to have the best chance to win. All right, prediction. I don't remember the score, to be honest with you, but when I was with Anthony on Thursday, all week long, I said, I'm taking the Bengals all week long. And then in the heat of the moment, I folded. I don't say, I wouldn't say I was being a homer. I just think I let my heart get the better of me in that moment. Anthony, who straight up said he will never pick against the Bills. He picked the Bills. I can't remember what the score was, but I know I picked the Bills. And I got to be honest with you, folks. I'm sorry, but I'm not picking the Bills. I just don't think this is a good matchup for them. I don't. You know, I, I believe in trends. Like, just like with the Jets. When the Jets play the Bills, I'm very nervous. The Jets always play the Bills tough. But like when the Bills play Miami, I'm very confident. I don't care how many yards Tua throws for every week. I don't care how good Tyreek Hill is every week. I don't care who they roll. They could go and beat the Chiefs on Sunday morning by three touchdowns. If we play the Bill, if we were playing Miami the next week, I'd feel confident because I feel like we match up good against them. I feel like we match up good against Kansas City Chiefs. I'll be confident when the Bills play the Chiefs. Well, at least as the things stand right now, I'd be confident. But I'm not confident against the Bengals. This is just a team I, I feel like physically just has the Bills number. It just doesn't feel like a good matchup for the Bills. I want to be wrong. I'm not going to sit here in front. I am a Bills fan, and I don't try to hide from that. But I also attempt to be objective and honest. And I don't feel like I was being honest with everybody with my prediction on Thursday. But I am now. So I got Cincinnati 27, Bills 17. So 27-17, Cincinnati. That's my uh, prediction. Real quick before I get out of here, uh, I said I was going to talk Sabres for a minute. Friday night, a golden chance at home, the, the back end of a home and home with Philly, a golden chance to go over 500 for the season for the first time. And they didn't. The Sabres got beat bad, bad on their home ice Friday night. Uh, five to one. Sabres fought at just five and six on the season through 11 games, which look, 11 games is not a ton, but it's also not just a little tiny sample size anymore. 11 games into an 82-game season, 5-6. and six. If you're hoping to Blake or break, you know, the longest playoff drought in the NHL, the longest playoff drought in the history of your franchise, 5-6 and six after 11 games, not where you want to be. And again, it's not even just losing. They got dog-walked at home, 5-1. Um, not even the Goathead jerseys. You know, the Sabres have been nearly invincible in these Goathead jerseys. 12-1-2. When they've had these jerseys on at home going into this game. So this is just the second time they've lost in regulation. Wearing these jerseys, by the way, both times to uh, Philly. 
And it shouldn't be surprising. You know, we wanted a better result. Want to have some confidence in his team. But if you watch the game on Wednesday night, when they beat Philadelphia in Philadelphia, they were dominated for most of that game. I mean, Philly outshot the Sabres 40 to 15. It was just UPL stood on his head. Luka Pekalukadin was great on Wednesday night. Not so much on a Friday. Sabres were down 2 nothing, just 91 seconds into the game. So, I mean, this game was never, never really in doubt. Um, UPL allowed five goals on 19 shots. Not all his fault. Didn't get a, help, a lot of help around him. On the offensive side, they could not solve uh, Samuel Urson. Came into the game, by the way, one and two. Shitty stats. 4.91 goals against. 0.763 save percentage coming in. But the Sabres offensively just could not get anything going. Sabres have not been able to get anything going offensively last couple games now. In terms of producing chances anyway. 37 shots in their last two games. And they haven't hit 30 shots on net in five trade games. I got to give a hat tip out, by the way, to Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News. I saw that stat on his Twitter feed. And then another disturbing trend for the Sabres, just three and four at home for the season. By the way, if you could hear this, I'm starting to lose my voice. I literally could feel it about 20 minutes in. So I'm going to try to power through these last uh, three or four minutes, but I am clearly, folks, losing my voice here. I apologize. Sabres are just three and four at home for the season. That's another disturbing trend. If you remember last year, the Sabres came real close, like literally two points away from making the playoffs. And ultimately, many reasons, but the biggest reason why the Sabres didn't make the playoffs because they just weren't good enough at home. 17, 20, and four was their home record last year. Well, they're only three and four at home this year. So that feels like a trend that is uh, continuing. Not good. Speaking of not good, you know, a very tough night for Owen Power. Owen Power was on the ice for all five Philly goals tonight. All five. Alex Tuck, who's been really up and down this year, by the way. Minus three on this game. Now, I remember last week against Montreal, I was talking about Alex Tuck was playing like shit. And then he bounced back against Ottawa, had a Gordie Howe hat trick, looked phenomenal, and played good for a couple games since then. But now, not a good game for him uh, Friday night against Philly. Hopefully, he could get a little more consistent there. And then, beyond the game, to make matters worse, uh, Mateus Samuelson got hurt. First period, lower leg injury, or lower body injury, I should say. Don Granado did not have any update after the game. So chances are when you're hearing this, we still don't know any extent of what Samuelson's injury is. It's worth noting too. You want to talk about a guy who's valuable being in this lineup? Sabres last year, 32-18-4 with him and just 10-15-3 without him. So they really don't want to lose this guy for any extended uh, period of time. We'll say, though, let's not, you know, the sky's not falling. Just like the sky's not falling on the Bills if they can't beat the Bengals on Sunday night. Although, I still think it's a very important game. But the sky's not necessarily falling on them. Just like with the Sabres. Sky's not falling. You are five and six. And there's uh, some interesting things coming up here. A lot of questions to get answered. Um, how long are they going to keep riding UPL? Devin, Devin Levi is, was healthy enough to be the backup. Probably going to see him in net. I would suspect you're going to see him in net tonight, Saturday. Uh, the Sabres are playing right back at it again in Toronto. Um, some 
roster decisions with some of these young guys coming up. Zach Benson got put on IR earlier on Friday. So he's got three games left when he comes back before the team has to decide if they could uh, or if they're going to burn the first year of his uh, entry-level contract. Um, Matt's avoid decision is going to be coming up. He's been in Rochester. He's playing in Rochester on Saturday night. And then the Sabres are either going to put him on the roster or they're going to return him to juniors, which I don't think they want to do. Uh, Lucas Rusek was up on Friday. Is he sticking around? That's a question worth uh, wondering about. Uh, Brandon Burrow, who scored two goals, Byro, who scored two goals Wednesday in Philly. He's up. He cleared waivers to go down to Rochester before the season started. Now he's up. He could play up to 10 games or stay up to 30 days and get sent back down without having to go through waivers. But if he's going to be up here for a while, you know, what's his role going to be with this team? What's going on with Victor Olofsson? What's the point of even keeping him on this roster anymore? Um, are the Sabres at a point where they're just going to put him on waivers? And assuming nobody claims him, which considering he's got a $4.7 million cap it, I think, for this year, I highly doubt they will. Did they just send him to Rochester, figure out a way to get out of that contract? They got to do something because, I mean, the Sabres just keep calling up guys instead of playing Victor Olofsson. By the way, Tyson Jost was a healthy scratch on Friday, and I don't like that. You know, I, I get you want to give some of these young guys a look, but like Lucas Rusek, I don't think he should have been up yet. I think Tyson Joe should have been in the lineup. That's just uh, one person's opinion. Anyway, they're back at it again tonight on Saturday um, against uh, Toronto in Toronto. We'll see how that plays out. And it's going to do it because I quite literally have lost my voice now <clears throat> at this point. Sunday night, Bills, Bengals, can't wait for this game. I think we're going to be doing in live post game, like immediately after the game with Tone Pucks. If you watch my show on Monday, Tone is highly, highly confident that Cincinnati is going to put the boots to the Bills. Hope he's wrong. Not going to lie to you. But anyway, I'll have him on either immediately after the game on Sunday or maybe we'll tape something Monday. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. But anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you very much for, for sticking with me and letting me drop this. Uh, Saturday episode to make up for Friday. Take care. Enjoy the weekend. And hopefully we'll have some positive Buffalo Bills news to talk about and Sabres in the coming days. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.